I please Almighty God to bless us together this evening as we meditate in his word. Let us turn to the first epistle of Peter, chapter 5, and we'll read verses 6 and 7. The first epistle of Peter, chapter 5, and reading verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We should be very thankful, really, that under the blessed influence of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter was able to pen such words. And quite clearly, we know that he was able to write in such a way because he had experienced his own hard and proud heart and how he had experienced the Lord's wonderful grace and wonderful mercy. We're thankful, therefore, that he was led in that way. We think, may think of Peter, well, poor Peter, well, he was poor Peter. But you see, the Lord has recorded such an account when he denied his Lord and Master those three times, having previously been so proud and so strong in his own strength to say that he would never deny the Lord Jesus Christ. He wouldn't even die with him. You see how left to ourselves, just for a mere moment, we won't be any better person than Peter. But we should be thankful, therefore, that the Lord in his mercy to the Church of God has recorded such direction and blessing to us. And in the previous verse, we read, Yea, all of you, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. You see, by nature, we are proud beings. And sometimes people are proud of what they think, they're being humble. Mock humility. We have to be very careful that we don't pretend to be what we're not. And it's a great blessing when God gives us grace to be humble. You know, the Apostle Paul was brought to that position to be humble. And he tells us about himself. And he describes himself less than the least of all saints. Well, that was the effect of the grace of God in the life of the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul was a very proud man before that Damascus Road experience. He pleased himself. He thought he was doing God's service, but of course he was walking contrary to God. And we need to be very aware of that in our lives today. Perhaps we might think we're very humble. We might think we're doing this and we're doing that. But we may be walking contrary to God. Well, here we have a wonderful statement here by the Apostle 
when he's able to tell us uh, that all of you uh, to be subject one to another and to be clothed with humility. And you see, if a person is clothed, you know what it's like, we can see the clothes, can't we? We know what they're like. And so what a wonderful thing it is when God gives grace to be humble, to wear this uh, cloak or this clothes of humility. It's a grace of God, my friends. And uh, we're told to cover earnestly the best gifts, not the worst gifts, the best gifts. And here is a gift which God grants to seek to be humble and to be clothed with humility. And therefore, he comes and says, therefore, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Well, how few people today realise the mighty hand of God. And yet, may God give us that right appreciation of the greatness of God who spoke the world into being. What power there was in the word of God to do just that. And my friends, today, God's power has not lessened. And we're thankful today that we can still observe the power of God in the conversion of sinners when he speaks the word and it is done. Proud beings, proud sinners, God brings down. He lays them low. They realise they are an unworthy sinner before a great almighty God. And they're thankful that they haven't been cut off as a cumber of the ground. They haven't been forsaken. And that's a mercy, isn't it? As we consider ourselves and realise the Lord hasn't cast us off. No, he's looked upon us in mercy. Sometimes I think of that wonderful statement in Leviticus, when the Lord passed by and said, live. Well, that's a wonderful mercy. If, if the Lord, and the Lord it must be, passed by to you and me, and has said, live to our souls. And we're blessed then. With the glorious gift of eternal life. See, it's so important, isn't it? To receive such a word and such a gift. You know, you and I can sit under the sound of the gospel for years and never hear it. It just goes over our head or in, in one ear and out in the other. But if the appointed time comes, as the hymn writer says so very beautifully, not to propose, but to call by grace. Yes, you see, when God calls, there is a response because it emanates 
from Almighty God. And you and I can't avoid it. Because God knows what he will do. And though perhaps initially we may not want to hear such a word, we can bless God for his love and mercy to such unworthy sinners. And what do we find then? We find the effect is this. He gives grace. He gives grace to submit ourselves. He gives grace to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And whereas we were rebellious, whereas we perhaps saying, I will not have this man to reign over me. Thankfully, God's grace is superior and stronger than any resistance that you and I can put up. And so what a blessing it is if we are the recipients of this grace of God, this free unmerited favour which has brought us to this very position as Peter was and as Peter recognises and as Peter now writes and says, humble yourselves. That's all of us. No true believer can be excluded from this position. So it's a wonderful blessing if tonight you and I can look into our hearts and trace out God's work, not our work, God's work, and trace out there that he has given us grace to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Well, you have to answer before God. We can all look very prim and proper. We can all be far off from God. But as I already said, the appointed time rolls on a pace not to propose, but call by grace. And what a blessing if that's occurred, therefore, in our lives and therefore brought us to be humble before God, that the Almighty Ruler of all things has condescended to look upon us and brought us down in our own estimation. You know, the Apostle Paul thought, as I said, less than least of all saints. He also confessed he was the chief of sinners. And it's good when the Holy Spirit brings us there. So we come to that place Nothing in our hand we bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Realising in me that as in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. It's a great blessing then to have the evidence of the work and grace of God in our souls which brings us to a position like that. 
that we may truly desire then to be as nothing. Why? So that Christ may be all and in all. By nature, we're not like that. By nature, we want to be important. We want to be somebody. We want to be thought well of. Well, there's nothing wrong in being thought well of. It depends what our attitude is. It depends whether our desire is that Christ might be exalted through us, through our life, or not. You see, the Word of God tells us here, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exhort you in due time. Exhort us to set forth the, the blessing of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord, the favour of the Lord, the love of the Lord, to unworthy sinners. Well, you have to testify before God. If God has come to you and brought you to that position, because you see, if he has, it's a very humbling experience, a very humbling evidence the Lord has loved you with everlasting love because he hasn't left you. He hasn't cast you aside. He hasn't put you on the rubbish dump as we all deserve to be. But it's because his mercy endureth forever. And what a blessing if you and I are the recipients of that mercy. And that mercy has attended us right from the first breath of our life. What a favour it is to be blessed with such a God who hasn't dealt with us as our sins deserve. Have we stood before God and had to cry out guilty? Can't justify ourselves. There may have been a time in our lives when we thought we weren't too bad. It may be so tonight. You may think, well, there's a lot of people worse than me. Really, I'm not living quite, quite a, such a bad life and uh, I, I do this and I, I do that. Well, come back to the reality. To view yourself as God views us. What a view that is. We don't ever see ourselves totally as God sees us. My friends, it's a good thing when you look at yourself and I look at myself and we see so much evil. Evil thoughts, perhaps, which no one else knows about. But God does. Evil words, perhaps, which we may say. Perhaps we wish we didn't. We realise how sinful we are by nature. And therefore, when the Holy Spirit convinces us of something of our true condition, that's when we come to that condition of humbling ourselves, realising how bad we are.
humble, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God. You see, it means that God then is raised up in our view as the great God. As the great God. What a mercy it is when we have a right view. And pray that you might have a right view of the greatness of God. Never have small views of God. Just consider who he is, what he's done. Wonderful, isn't it, to think that God looks down from heaven upon us. Utterly, utterly unworthy sinners. Nothing in us to merit esteem or give my creator delight. Nothing at all. But it's all because of his amazing love to unworthy sinners. And so says the Apostle Peter, and, I, and it's lovely to read the epistles of Peter, you know. Um, you know, he's a man greatly blessed, a man who fell and sinned and was very quick-tempered, and yet, you see, he knew the Redeemer, he knew the blessing of God. He knew the favour of God. And he could rejoice in his God. And he could look forward to the time when he would be in glory with his God. And it was Peter, Peter alone, that we read of in the Word of God that describes the Lord Jesus Christ as precious. And he said, We're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from our vain conversation, but with the precious blood of Christ. What a wonderful revelation that was to the Apostle Peter. What a blessing if it's a revelation to you and me. To know that we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. It's almost beyond our comprehension. To think that the Lord God should condescend to suffer upon that cross at Calvary in order to set us free. And as the Lord Jesus beautifully said, And if the Son therefore shall set you free, ye shall be free indeed. And that is a total freedom from sin. Because it means the blessed Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, has stood in our place and he's bore the punishment instead. And surely we have to come and testify and say, what a Saviour. What a Saviour. Well, when the Lord gives us a right understanding of these things, surely we can then come and understand what the Apostle says here. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, this great God. He's looked upon us. He's put his hand upon us. Oh yes. And he's taken us in hand. And he's led us about. It's like Israel of old. 
He led them forth by the right way. They might go to a city of habitation. And that's the end. That's a direction. That's what you and I need. And therefore he says that he may exalt you in due time. Yes, there's a time perhaps when the Lord will lift us up, bring us into true liberty. Yes, what a blessed place it is, you know. The Lord says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And when you and I walk before the Lord in accordance with his will, in accordance with his commands, there is liberty. Because we have the evidence within that we are doing God's will. We're not walking contrary to God. The Lord tells us, if you walk contrary to me, I will walk contrary to you. How many people disbelieve that? And they continue walking contrary to God. They think they can do what they want to. My friends, are you dishonouring God? Are you walking contrary to him? Well, hear the word. If you walk contrary to me, I will walk contrary to you. It's a very straight statement. It's a very solemn statement. And my friends, may you and I be humbled to realise that the Lord perhaps has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. And look to the Lord that he will be with us and that he will guide us and he will be gracious to us and bring us at last safely home to our desired haven. Well, the apostle he goes on having made that statement and he comes and he says then, and this is a wonderful encouragement, casting all your care, all your care, upon him for he careth for you how can we fail to realise that God really cares for us and so often we continue to try and to do things ourselves we might think that we've um, cast our care upon God but have we cast all our care Upon him. That means committing everything to him. And let's realise the Lord knows the end from the beginning. He knows what he's dealing with us. We don't, you and I don't know. And therefore, it's a blessed position to be in. To come and to cast all our care. That means what it says. Everything in our little lives. Don't try and manage things yourself. You won't do very well if you do. How sad it is often we sometimes forget, don't we? Sometimes I find I'm doing things, I've a problem and I'm trying to sort it and I suddenly realise I haven't cast my care upon the Lord. Well, you know, it's a wonderful and blessed relief when we are able to come, burdened perhaps, perhaps one particular care, perhaps many cares, Sometimes the Lord loads us well. Perhaps we need to be loaded well. So that we do come to the Lord. So that we have to come to the Lord. There's no one else to go to. And then you see, in that wonderful position to experience 
He cares for us. He cares for us. Now then, the blessing is this. God brings us to carry loads sometimes. And he brings us, therefore, to come to our senses, as it were, and to look to the Saviour. We come then casting all our care upon him. And what a blessing it is when through such positions and situations the Lord comes and leads you and me to Calvary. As I said this afternoon, there's no more blessed place than Calvary. And we can add the Garden of Gethsemane. Because in those locations we observe with some clarity what the Lord Jesus Christ suffered for our sakes in the cost of our salvation. What a mercy when the Holy Spirit brings us there to see what Jesus endured. Yes, in Gethsemane, when the Lord knew what was before him, he cried unto his Father, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, and this is the blessing, nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. It's good to be submissive. It really means that we're humbling ourselves. We're coming to the Lord and we're saying, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. It's a safe place. It's a good place. It's a place of spiritual blessing. And uh, the Lord did his Father's will. And it wasn't an easy path. Just because the Lord may give us wonderful grace to commit ourselves to the Lord and humble ourselves and seek the Lord will lead us on. Don't expect an easy path. But you can expect a good end. That's the blessing. You can expect a good end. And what a mercy it is, therefore, if the Lord is gracious to us and we do receive a good end. Now the Lord Jesus, he speaks of that, doesn't he? Uh, when he um, spoke to his disciples uh, and he says this at the end of the 16th chapter, which was, you may remember that wonderful account in the upper room to his disciples starting at chapter 13. And he comes down to this last uh, section, last few verses, and he says in the very last verse, verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. That's a promise. In me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. That's a promise. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's the reality of religion. That's the path which the Lord Jesus laid down at the end of that wonderful sermon to his disciples in the upper room. That's what he told them. He said, I've spoken unto you that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. 
I have overcome the world. And as we read in the, in the Hebrews, and we are more than conquerors through him. That's the secret. It's not our strength. It's what Christ has done. So then you go from Gethsemane. You come to the cross. And we see the blessed Saviour there. Suffering all incarnate God could bear. With strength enough and none to spare. And what does he face there? The hiding of his father's face. And what does he cry? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the Lord endured that for his people, for his church. Let's not underestimate the greatness of that occasion, the wonder of it, to think that the Lord God himself, the one who spoke the world into being, the one who was so willing to suffer on that cross in order to pay the price for your and my sins. Because without it, there'd be no hope for us. But he willingly went to the cross, knowing what he would have to endure. And uh, to recognise that it was done for such unworthy sinners. Well, casting all your care upon him for... He careth for you. What an evidence of his care for the church of God. What a wonderful consideration. You see, that's why we need to tarry at Gethsemane and Calvary so that the Lord may open our understanding to the greatness of our salvation. And to truly bless God for his great love wherewith he had loved us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. Yes, when we do his will. Oh, you see, so often today, people walk contrary to God. They walk their own way. They walk their own way. They don't value the Saviour. They don't have an understanding like Peter did of the preciousness of the blood of Christ. You might remember in the case of Peter, he denied his Lord those three times, fulfilment of what the Lord had told him. And what happened then? The Lord turned and looked upon him. Love. Perhaps we may have denied the Lord, perhaps not in the same way. But you know, you and I can deny the Lord quite easily uh, by our actions. You know, sometimes 
It's very easy when, when people say things perhaps that we don't agree with and we don't say anything. We're cowardly. We're not honouring our God. We're pandering to our own nature. Sad, isn't it? But what a blessing if God gives us this ability to realise he cares for us. Then you see that changes. That'll make a change in our attitude. It'll give us some understanding of a debt we owe. You see, we should never ever be able to repay that debt. We can look forward perhaps to the time when by the grace of God we shall be in glory to praise God from whom all blessings flow. I wonder, perhaps, if we look forward to such a, a, a situation in glory, we should only be found there because of God's love to us. We should only be found there because he cares for us. Only be found there because he's loved us with an everlasting love. But then you see, there will be that wonderful time. Well, that's not a statement, is it? There's no time. A wonderful eternity in praising God. We will have great cause to praise God. And I believe it will be like this. We will praise God the Father. We will praise God the Son. And we'll praise God the Holy Spirit. And I believe this. That we shall love God the Father. And we shall love God the Son. And we shall love God the Holy Spirit. I wonder if you pondered that. I wonder if you felt sometimes the love of God the Father, the love of God the Son, the love of God the Holy Spirit, and realise they are all united together in the great and glorious work of salvation to redeem our souls. Casting therefore all your care upon him, Aren't we wretched, backward sinners to so often forget to cast all our care upon him? We struggle on, we battle on, foolish people, aren't we? And yet here we have a God who's promised he cares for us. See, if the God cares for us, which he does, every true believer, he cares for us. And because he cares for us, he will be with us through our life on this earth. And at last, receive us into that desired haven. It's a wonderful prospect, isn't it, I think. As we travel through this life, this little world, this passing world, Let's have a right appreciation of it. Yes, it's soon going to disappear for you and me. Soon for us. 
Time will be no more. We shall then be in eternity. And either with, in, with a saviour, that one who's died for us forever, or else in hell with the great enemy of souls, the devil. My friends, all of us will be in one of those places. Let's not think there's some escape route. No, my friends, every one of us will be in one of those places. And therefore, what a wonderful blessing it will be if by the grace of God we are found in this position, realising that Lord, the great God, cares for us. Careth for you, careth for me. You know, that's what we should pray for. That's what we should desire. And then the, uh, the Apostle goes on just to say in the next verse, Therefore, with this great, wonderful promise, be sober, be vigilant. It's a good, good word, isn't it? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And he never gives up this side of the grave. He never gives up. But, as I said earlier, but we are more than conquerors through him, our great and glorious Saviour, who conquered the devil. Yes, when he died that death upon the, on the cross of Calvary and rose again, a risen Saviour. Do you rejoice tonight in a risen Saviour? On this Thanksgiving day, it's a harvest Thanksgiving, it's good to thank God for the harvest and as we've done so already today. But my friends, we have so much more to thank God for. You and I could have been born in some dark place of the world where the gospel never come. The Lord has wonderfully favoured every one of us here tonight to hear the gospel. My friends, don't thrust it away. Don't ignore it. Don't think it doesn't apply to us. We have a great master, we have a great God, we have a kind saviour, we have a blessed redeemer. But oh my friends, don't let's trample these truths underfoot. And let's realise what a debt we owe. What a debt we owe. The saviour paid that debt for us in shedding his blood upon that cross at Calvary to redeem our souls. Without shedding of blood, there's no remission, there's no forgiveness. But blessed be God, he died for us, all those who are redeemed. Well, is your name, is my name there? Amongst those for whom Christ died. Amongst those who were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Well, What's the answer tonight? Do you have the evidence that you are redeemed? Have you the evidence therefore? For he cares for you. Oh my friends, let us not just pass by these things. But Lord, may they be very weighty with us. And may our great concern be to know, to know 
that we are redeemed. See, if we have the evidence that God has called us out of darkness of nature into the glorious light, it's the evidence that we are redeemed. And we can praise and bless God for it. And have we praised God and blessed God for it? It's one of the great lack today, I think, of thanksgiving to our God. He's worthy. He's worthy. Have you thanked God for salvation? Have you received his salvation? If you have, have you thanked God for it? We need to thank him every day, don't we? That he hasn't cast us off as a cumber of the ground. May we come and say with a hymn writer, to God be the glory. He is indeed worthy of all acceptation. Well, hear these beautiful words, aren't they? Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Under the mighty hand of God. That's really the secret. Under God's hand. When he puts his hand upon us, perhaps he stops us in our mad career. It's his hand. Do we come and say, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. The Lord never makes any mistakes. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exhort you in due time to be lifted up into heavenly places to have fellowship with the Saviour. Oh, my friends, the Apostle wanted it, didn't he? You only have to read the third of Philippians to see how the Apostle desired union with Christ. And oh, may you and I desire, therefore, union with Christ under the mighty hand of God that he may exhort you in due time, casting all your care, remember, not a little, all your care, upon him, nowhere else, for he careth for you. Amen.